Hello everyone and welcome to Manufacturing the Future. You know, pre-pandemic, automation was a hot-button issue in American industry, and post-pandemic, it will be again. Joining me today is Association of Advancing Automation President Jeff Bernstein. Jeff, welcome to the program. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, Jeff, it's uh, before we, we dig into the nitty-gritty of, of automation and where we stand in, in American manufacturing, um, A3, the association, it is, it is now a bigger and more comprehensive association than it was this time a year ago. Tell me about the changes. Well, Jim, you know, our roots were in robotics. We were launched in 1974 as a robotics trade group. Over time, we added machine vision and motion control and artificial intelligence and set up shop in Mexico. And we have all these things going on that were separate. And we realized customers, they want automation solutions. They don't want to have to go to four different places. They don't want to have to uh, join multiple associations. So we put it all together. And now we're one association. One membership gives you all the benefits and all access to information we have in each one of these technologies and more. Uh, Jeff, industrial automation in particular, uh, it's uh, probably there's more mythology, more misinformation, disinformation, misunderstanding around this than almost any other aspect of, of American manufacturing. Is, it, is, is there a knowledge gap out there? Are American manufacturers, are they fully up to speed with where they need to be with the, the current level of, of automation in manufacturing? I would say the answer to that is they're getting there, but they're not fully up to speed. I mean, think about it. You're a manufacturer. You're told about Industry 4.0, artificial intelligence, robotics. There's a lot to know, a lot to learn. And especially for small and medium-sized companies and companies who are just starting to explore automating. So that's one of the value adds that the association has. Who do you go to to learn information? Who's a trusted resource? That's the role we're trying to fill. Uh, Jeff, we think of, of uh, some industries as being sort of leading edge or the ones that tend to pull other industries sort of in, in, in the slipstream behind them. Uh, packaging, plastics, for example, uh, areas that are, are typically you know, highly automated. Uh, which industries do you see are at the leading edge of industrial automation in America today? Well, I mean, if you look historically, the automotive industry has been the largest customer for robotics and many other technologies, electronics as well. And that is still true today. Those are the two largest, but the movement toward automating the food industry and consumer goods and agriculture and medical, all that's happening and it's happening rapidly. And of course, e-commerce, you know, warehousing and logistics is a huge market for automation right now. Uh, Jeff, is there a, dif a difference in the automation industry between automation intended for manufacturing and automation intended for the services industry? We're seeing more and more automation now aimed at service industries, you know, uh, cleaning bots in hospitals, you know, that, uh, that, that kind of thing. Is that going to split, bifurcate the industry, do you think? Well, a lot of the technology is the same. It's just applied in different ways. I mean, the, the, the truth about all these technologies is the application is the key. So, you know, Joe Engelberger, who was the father of robotics, used to say, um, do you think a robot could do that? And if the answer was yes, then you were on your way to an application. So that's why you've seen robots that started out behind fences, in factories, doing things like welding and painting, now being used, like you said, in hospitals to deliver things. Or um, you can go to a coffee shop where there's a, a industrial robot behind a thing and you can order your coffee from it. So we've, we've figured out ways to use these technologies in all kinds of uh, areas of our lives. 
Yeah, we've um, um, cobots, of course, are, um, are, are a hot topic now. The idea of a, of a robot that's intrinsically safe, you just set it up next to a human worker and they sort of jostle up against the thing, uh, bump at the same time. Uh, we also hear a lot about AI and the idea of making the robots smart enough so that they don't put themselves in a situation where they harm harm workers in the first place. Are those two things sort of, do they coexist or is it strictly a matter of we make robots that are safe enough that we, we don't mind bumping into it versus a robot that's smart enough to not bump into us in the first place? Well, first of all, <laughs> let's, let's be careful on bumping into the robot. We don't want to do that. We don't want the robot bumping into us. It might be okay depending on what it's holding, but if it's holding a sharp object like a knife or uh, some sort of toxic substance, you don't want to do a lot of bumping. So follow the safety standards that our association has developed. Um, in terms of the AI, I mean, AI is, is used to give robots intelligence in a lot of areas, not just collaborative robots. Um, so um, safety is, is the top priority for our association and technology, um, putting people side by side with with uh, robots is something that you still have to exercise a lot of caution. Uh, Jeff, historically, um, automation it, it sort of tracked the way assembly line manufacturing evolved itself. Very, very special purpose machines designed to do a specific thing. So, of course, you know if it's if it's you know welding that car body, basically we configure a cell to weld that car body and makes a lot of them you know with, with great precision, accuracy and precision. Uh, some futurists say that, that the future, however, is in really general purpose automation, robots that you simply deploy in the factory where you need them at that moment that are capable of doing a wide variety of different things in there. Are we seeing that movement or are we getting close to that point where, where we deploy the robot the way we deploy a human worker in a plant? I think companies are working on that and part of it is the mobility. Take the robot you know, around the factory and have it do whatever it's going to do. Um, I'm not certain that we're at that point yet, but uh, we're, we're moving toward a world in which is much more flexible, where you don't have to, if you have a line, tear it all out and six months from now, you know, build a new one that's uh, going to achieve the, the goals that you set out for. So I think we are making progress in, in terms of more flexibility, yes. It's uh, uh, you mentioned Joe Engelberger. You know, in the, in the days of Unimation, uh, General Motors were the first adopters of, of the technology in a die casting plant in New Jersey, and it, it's for good reason because they're about the only company that could afford the things. We're at a point now where uh, we're seeing um, smaller uh, uh, pick and place robotics coming in at the you know twenty five thirty thousand dollar price point, a price point which is um, reachable, attainable by smaller businesses. Is 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 this is price the breakthrough? Is this the key thing we need to get robotics? into SMEs? Price is only one factor. And, and actually, depending on where in the world you are, the prices may be lower than that for robots. But that's only part of the story is the robot itself. The solution is what companies want. You know, what's the story on the ROI on the application? Also, how easy is it to use? How much technical resources do you need at your company to make it successful? There are a lot of issues uh, that small and medium-sized companies have to deal with in terms of knowing whether or not they're even equipped to implement robotics. So it's a big learning curve. We're getting there. More and more companies are recognizing that you can't compete globally if you don't take advantage of robotics and automation because your competitors around the world are doing that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, if, if you take an operation, for example, that uses machine tools, machine tool manufacturers very rarely sell their product based on how easy it is to program. In fact, it's generally considered to be the opposite. You need a skilled person that understands G-code to be able to program, uh, say, a five-axis mill. Um, oddly, that mindset doesn't seem to transfer to robotics in the sense that uh, individuals that may operate sophisticated machine tools expect a level of programming simplicity in robots that's, that's significantly easier than the, the, the complex tools that those robots often serve. That seems like a bit of a disconnect to me at this point. Is there, is, is, do, do you feel the automation industry is held to a higher standard that way? Are they expected to make their product more foolproof and easier to use than, than, than other equipment? Well, I don't know because, I mean, part of it is if you're going to automate, you need a skilled workforce. That's the biggest shortage right now is a skilled workforce. So if it's not easy to use and you need all these people in there who have the technical skills that you just talked about, that's going to be a barrier. So if you want to get more robots out there, they've got to be easier. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think that collaborative robots is, you know, gained because they're being sold as easy to use, easy to quick to set up and run. Um, don't need a lot of expertise. Now, whether that's true or not, may not be true in every application. Things are a lot more complicated sometimes than, you know, you might, might think. Um, but that is a way to get more robots out there is to make them easier to use, faster to set up, uh, less people who have advanced technical skills needed because there's a shortage of those people. Yeah, you talk about the skill shortage, and, and that is the universal thread that I hear everywhere across multiple industries over and over again, and skill shortage across multiple skills. Um, uh, automation is a logical way to address the skill shortage, but automation also requires skills in and of itself. Are there enough people out there trained and qualified to basically handle, program, and, and implement, uh, uh, integrate robotics? No, and that's the biggest barrier we see, is companies are saying that you know, you need people to maintain, operate, run, oversee, install. A lot of these are hands-on skills that require not a four-year degree, but community colleges, technical schools, you can get these certificates and be very valuable to companies who are implementing robotics. There's a tremendous shortage of that. Jeff, is it, are we talking about blue-collar work here? There's been a, a generational tendency in America to try and steer kids away from what we think of as traditional skilled trades kinds of jobs, uh, because we 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 want a white-collar workforce. At least that's you know the, uh, historically. I remember the uh, many many of the time you'd hear a machinist or a toolmaker say, you know, I didn't I didn't I didn't work in Hamtramck assembly my whole life, so that my kids would join me as a shop rat. So is is there a perception gap there? I think that may be a, a factor. Yeah, there is because. You know, historically, you go into a factory and it was kind of a dull, repetitive, dirty, dangerous area, right? And you go into a factory now, as you know, and these are clean, spotless <laughs> facilities. And the jobs have changed. So, you know, instead of walking 10 miles a day in a warehouse, for instance, you're overseeing robots that are doing that. Instead of lifting heavy thing over and over again so that, you know, you have back injuries, the robot can do that. And you can do other things that add more value. So, you know, we really change the nature of manufacturing jobs. I don't think people are aware of that until they actually see it firsthand. 
Uh, Jeff, in popular culture, you see a lot of the science fiction, usually uh, robotics automation is associated with a dystopian future. Very rarely are they depicted as things that, that sort of help mankind. And the number one thing we hear over and over again is that um, automation are job killers. And this isn't new. I mean, this goes back to the dawn of the Industrial Revolution. I mean, uh, uh, there are men smashing cotton gins you know, two centuries ago. But it's, it's pervasive. Is, does automation, will robotics ultimately be a job killer or a job creator in American industry? Well, we certainly think job creator. And we've looked at this over a 25-year period. Whenever robot sales went up in America, unemployment went down. When robot sales went down, unemployment went up. Doesn't sound like a job killer on its face. So we looked at it a little more closely. What happened between 2010, when we came out of the Great Recession in the United States, and let's say 2020, right before the pandemic? Unemployment was around 10%. We had this explosion of the use of robotics. The greatest explosion of robot use in American history took place in that decade. What happened to unemployment? It fell to 3.5% pre-pandemic. This is while robots were being implemented. So we see it as a way of making companies more competitive. The real threat to jobs in America or anywhere else, your company can't compete. That's when all the jobs are at risk. We tried that. We went through a period where we said, we're gonna send all the manufacturing, not all, but much of the manufacturing to Asia, chasing low cost labor. And what happened? It didn't work out so well. And so now we're trying automating. And if you wanna have a strong, vibrant economy, automation can help you do that. Are the nature of jobs changing? Of course, they've been changing forever. I mean, I talk about 30 years ago, uh, when I got involved in this, actually more than 30 years, I can't believe that, but that's true. Um, was there a job called search engine optimization specialist? Digital marketing expert. I mean, all these job titles have changed. There are a lot of people doing these things and these are high paying jobs. That's what's happening as a result of automation. We're just changing jobs like we always have through technology. And if I were to do it over again, I think there's no question. I'd take a good, hard look at this industry. Jeff Bernstein, President of the Association for Advancing Automation, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for joining us on Manufacturing the Future. See you again next time.